From the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network studios in Des Moines, this is Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. In today's show, Dustin talks with ICGA President Jolene Reeson on the show floor at Commodity Classic in Houston. Andy and Mark discuss the latest on the reactions to the E15 ruling. And Russ Parker finishes his talk with Scott Kay of BASF. Now here are your hosts for today, Mark Magnuson and Andy Peterson. All right, here we go, O'Reilly, on a Thursday. Iowa Ag Matters program, marking for Dustin, who is enjoying Houston, providing great coverage of commodity classics, seeing get a little bump in the marketplace overnight here, Mark. This is uh, this is four days in a row now that we've uh, at least seen some higher highs. We're off a little bit at the moment from yesterday's close, but um, you know maybe Dustin being gone more often is something we should think about here if the market's uh, in the tank for a while. Yeah, maybe when Dustin leaves Iowa, it's a market mover. I don't know. Maybe we have to look into that. I don't know. But, you know, something we've been talking a lot about recently, Andy, is that $4 level, once corn dipped below it, it really was that psychological barrier in some ways that caused things to kind of move the other way. So there is some real truth to that, and it shows up in the marketplace. Mission accomplished, perhaps, to a certain degree. Hey, we're going to hear what uh, Iowa corn growers are talking about at Commodity Classic. Jolene Reeson is going to join us a little bit later on. More with Scott Kay from BASF as well. Right now, let's jump into the market commentary. Joe Camp from Comstock now joins the program to visit with Mark. Joined today by Joe Camp of Comstock for our opening market discussion. Joe, what are we seeing taking place in the grains? Some weakness here, at least overnight, a thinner type of trade here, so... We'll wonder if we could change pace and, and get back to strength, which was something we've actually observed over these last couple of days, particularly for corn futures. They were up in three straight days, not even back up to last week's high yet, but it was still some sign of maybe the sell-off easing. Before this week, it had been a lower close for corn and soybean futures in nine out of the last 10 weeks, and we do have... Uh, this slide continuing here throughout the uh, the latest month here. We are going to close out February here today, and it's an important end-of-the-month type trade because it's first notice day for these March grain futures. We have continued to look forward to this point in the delivery cycle where we open up these contracts for delivery, and indeed we did have uh, some contracts of soybeans and wheat put out that was not necessarily totally unexpected, relatively speaking, compared to corn. You had soybean and wheat spreads tighter and maybe more incentivizing of, of that delivery uh, process uh, being used here. But it's a source of pressure overall. We still think once we get out of this month, some of that forced selling and that delivery dynamic would be uh, something that could provide relief for this market. So we'll see how this last day of the month goes. When it comes to corn, we've been talking about it recently, but we saw that you know front month number dip down below four dollars, and it does seem, Joe, like there is some real you know substance to that psychological barrier of seeing something like that of going below that number, and it does seem like the market has responded. Now, obviously, not just because of that, but it does seem like it does play a little bit of a factor, doesn't it? That's right. Yeah, we uh, got below that mark as you mentioned. And I think that fits with just how bearish the speculators have been in corn, where right? the managed money folks that we track, they've built up a record net short in that market. Um, you look at, at that factor, and it, it gets to a point where, like we observed with the brief poke below $4, those fund traders you know, say, I've, I've, I've pretty well got my position built up here. They look around and say, who's going to sell this now? And nobody does. And in fact, it, it turns into something different where 
those uh, speculators don't want to be the last one out. They don't want to be the last one to take profit here. And so as we had a little bit of that shifting sentiment and, and those folks trying to get ahead of what could have been that expected relief as we close out this month, um, that becomes a, a less bearish dynamic after they've already uh, been stretched as they were. We compare this a lot actually here lately to the 2020 season. That was the last time hedge funds were so heavily uh, short this market. And it took a little longer into the early summer period uh, for corn. It was, I think, a April uh, low for soybeans. But beyond that point, there was short covering and a really impressive rally that took the grains higher into the first half of 2021. So that could be our precedence here as we uh, close out this month of February and head towards uh, closer towards the spring now. You're listening to Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, and we continue with the three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Enrollment is now open from USDA for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program, and American Farm Bureau Federation economist Danny Munch says they encourage participation as it helps dairy producers manage risks. Dairy margin coverage, often called DMC, provides a level of risk management protection to dairy farmers under low margin conditions. So that can be caused by low milk prices, high feed costs, or a combination of both. To participate in dairy margin coverage, dairy producers select a coverage level ranging from $4 to $9.50 per hundredweight on 50 cent in- increments. And then they select a coverage level for their production history ranging from 5% to 95% of their coverage history. Now he says that the opening of the DMC enrollment certainly helps, but they're still looking for larger changes as to how dairy farmers are paid. Number two. Urging action on an E15 waiver for sales year-round in 2024 is Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, who led the Iowa delegation of lawmakers in a letter urging the EPA to allow for summertime E15 sales in 2024. Of course, we know the uh, year-round sales will go into effect in 2025, but that still means something has to happen for this upcoming driving season. The petition includes Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. As Grassley and the Iowa delegation contend the delay will, quote, have devastating effects on biofuel producers, farmers, and families across the country. Number one. Groundbreaking research being conducted by our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association to learn more about optimal seeding rates for soybeans, according to research agronomist Drew Clemenson. What we're trying to to dive into and understand is it are we making the right assumptions? And and we often talk about in the opposite of corn, where on our better ground we want to put less population in our poorer soils, we want more population, but what is more and what is less? And, and where are we starting from to move more or less? And so that's kind of what, what we're trying to, to understand with this trial work. That conversation, part of the latest Pods of Potential podcast with our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association that you can find on our website, iowaagnet.com, or your favorite podcasting service. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Are you ready to diversify your farm income? Sweetwater Technologies, powered by GRIP, is offering the next generation of agricultural entrepreneurs turnkey owner-operated drone business partnerships. Together, we can grow and empower agricultural communities through technological solutions. It is our vision to build economic growth for future generations. Apply today to become a business partner and join our journey on the road to 1 million acres at sweetwatertechnologies.com. More reaction from the Environmental Protection Agency's final ruling on E15 coming up in segment number two here on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.
continuing the conversation, certainly around uh, summertime E15 sales. Kind of feels a little bit more like summertime here today. Certainly has in the past three weeks or so. Um, and I only say that uh, sort of um, in in jest, given how long this uh, EPA discussion has been going on, not only here on the Iowa Ag Matters programming, Andy and Mark, but uh, just in general, 500 and some days is how long a ruling has taken to make it uh, permanent to sell E15 year-round in eight Midwestern states, including Iowa. And yet, of course, it's been happening by way of special waiver. It's a a quirk in the original RFS when they never even imagined an E15 blend that has been the problem the entire time. It really shouldn't be this difficult, Mark, but it certainly has been. And now uh, Senator Grassley is uh, taking some action, it sounds like, to try and make sure that there's another waiver issued for this summer to get us from here to 2025. Yeah, you mentioned that 500-day number. It it feels like maybe 1,500 days as this has been going back and forth, just keep passing the ball, you know, trying to get an answer on E15, and we've waited for this final answer. We do get the final decision from EPA, and the announcement is that, okay, E15 will now be available year-round, summertime E15, in these eight Midwestern states that have requested it, including Iowa. And so that is good news for the state of Iowa from the ethanol's perspective. And that, of course, has kind of been the sentiment. Everyone has been pleased with the announcement that that will be available in 2025. Now, the hangup is then, of course, what happens in 2024? So we have the Iowa delegation of legislators that have put together that letter led by Zach Nunn and the rest of the delegation sent that off to the EPA to request for an immediate in action of the ruling and get that moving for 2024 to allow E15. And so we heard Senator Chuck Grassley here in his weekly press conference with ag reporters and broadcasters gave his first thoughts on the E15 ruling. I, I presume there's some sort of legal reason that it has to go into effect in 2025, but uh, the president can step in under emergency powers and grant the same thing for 2024 like he did 2022 and 2023, and I expect that he will do that. I don't have, I'm just saying since he did it in those two years. Also yesterday in a hearing on Capitol Hill, a Senate hearing, we had Senator Joni Ernst, the Iowa Republican, asking USDA Secretary Tom Vilsack about the potential timeline for an E-15 waiver if it were to be enacted in 2024. I think it's consistent with the last two years when they issued a waiver. Uh, I could be wrong about this, Senator. I thought it was in the April time frame, but uh, whenever it was done last year, I'm pretty sure that they will have the resources and the data necessary to make the decision and have this decision stick. Of course, we will keep you up to date on the latest developments with the E15 situation moving forward and whether or not we do receive a waiver here in 2024, which allows for E15 purchase at the pump here in the summer driving season. We will keep you up to date on that. It is time now for our featured conversation as we are joined by Jolene Reeson of Iowa Corn. There's a lot of conversation at Commodity Classic about the importance of carbon intensity scoring and increasing farmer participation. Iowa Corn Growers Association, one of the leaders on the issue, according to President Jolene Reeson. So I had a study done here on my farm and I'm actually a a negative carbon emitter and and I managed to get to that point by a no-till 
I use cover crops. I have a custom feed yard that we feed cattle in and I utilize that manure as part of my, as part of my fertility program. The ground is, is actually worked very little. Um, if we can no-till it, that's usually what we do. Always keeping in mind, you know, the soil erosion, carbon capture. We just try and do everything that we can to, number one, keep the soil on my farm. Number two, to keep the fertilizer on my farm. She says lowering ethanol's carbon intensity score will be key to unlocking the sustainable aviation fuel market. And you can learn more at iowacorn.org. And of course, we'll hear more from Jolene coming up. Dustin had the chance to sit down with her at Commodity Classic for some of those conversations she was previewing for us there as Iowa Ag Matters continues. We take a look around the state at the cash elevator prices. What are happening to basis levels as the board price increases? Riley Smith answers that question and more next on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Time now for a check of the latest statewide cash basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Riley Smith. ADM in Burlington trading the May contract, corn 18 under at 407, soybeans 10 under at 1108, Cargill in Eddyville trading the May contract, corn 15 under at 410, New Cooperative in Algona trading the May contract as well, corn 23 under at 402, beans 65 under at 1065. Ag State in Sheldon is still on the March contract, corn 15 over at 426, soybeans 68 under at 10.50. Ag State in Alta also on the March contract, still corn 10 under at 401, beans 62 under at 10.56. Cargill in Cedar Rapids, corn is trading the May contract, 5 under at 420, soybeans on the March contract, 5 under at 11.13. Next is Co-op in Marble Rock, corn 10 under for the May contract at 415. Soybeans 50 under at 1080. Lincoln Way Ethanol in Nevada is on the March contract. Corn 20 under at 391. ADM in Des Moines on the May contract. Soybeans 12 under at 1118. New Cooperative in Red Oak on the May contract. Corn 23 under at 402. Beans 55 under at 1075. Mid Iowa Co op in Green Mountain on the May contract. Corn 38 under at 387. Beans 61 under at 1069. New Cooperative in Sheraton on the May contract. Corn 38 under at 387, beans 60 under at 1070. Walk on Feed Ranch on the March contract, corn 33 under at 378, beans 65 under at 1053. New Cooperative in Glidden on the May contract, corn 23 under at 402, beans 55 under at 1075. Innovative Ag in Farley on the May contract, corn 25 under at $4 even, beans 50 under at 1080. In Cargill in Muscatine, March contract, Corn 10 under at 401, beans 3 under at 11.15. As a reminder, cash corn and soybean prices are subject to change without notice, so call your local elevator for the latest prices. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. And that's been a check of the latest cash basis prices here on Iowa Ag Matters. Plenty more to come in today's show. Still up next, we will have Russ Parker finishing his conversation with Scott Kay of BASF. Later on in the show, Dustin will have a more featured conversation with Jolene Reason of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. 
stay tuned to Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Russ Parker in Houston this week with his mobile microphone at Commodity Classic and getting a chance to stop at the BASF booth and speak with Scott Kay and some interesting discussion I know between Russ and Scott, including sharing some of the data, some of the information that BASF brings all together with all of its farmer users and customers. Here is Russ and Scott. Those two most critical ones, variety selection and then seed placement. What that, I think, does is that maintains those first two decisions, maintain the optimal uh, yield out of that bag could be up to 300 bushels. BSF's goal is to help farmers raise a 100 bushel average. Today's average across the U.S. is about 50 bushels, 50-some bushels. I know in, in southwest Iowa, growers are 70, 80. They saw some good right, right weather, right decisions. They saw some of those. We also want to help with those decisions too. And so the expansion of Zarvio Field Manager will include uh, alerts around fungicides. And I think one example was shared where the alert came, it's about two weeks earlier than, than, in, than any, either party thought they were actually going to have to make an application. Upon further investigation, they went, oh my gosh, we need a treat right now. And that saved them quite a few bushels. And so what, what BSS investing is in the technology that they'll, that they'll plant and spray on their field, but we really want to enable the, the retailer and grower with the decision tools that make that even smarter. So let's go back to that retailer. And you mentioned the word relationship. And I talked to one of your farmers on the panel who had a very important relationship with his ag retailer. And, and what a wonderful product that you bring to your business partners from that perspective. Yeah, I think, I think it'll bring a lot of confidence. I think, too, to have the retailer and the grower now shorten their trial work. I think you heard it from the stage. They're doing trial work. They're making those comparisons, but it's only one year of data. The farmer said, I'd like to have two. So now when they, when they bring forward the Seed Select 2 tool from Zarvio, they can, now they have multiple years of data, some 20 years of history. And, and all kinds of weather. See, the other thing is they're trapped in a single season of weather. If you had a weather pattern, two years of drought, but you, but you wanted to inform the, the tool to think differently, then you could and start to, start to pick it uh, based on your, your conditions between what the retailer and grower uh, would, would select. And so, so to me, it's, it really will bring that trusted advisor role to the retailer. And I think the grower is saying already that they, that they like that position. You know, maybe just to wrap it up, I'm thinking about the history of soybeans and production of soybeans over the last, what a bright future for soybeans. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, by 2050, and that's the science behind event, thank you for coming, is, is meant is us talk about, not today as much, but talk about the future and what that holds too. And so we see a bright future. Renewable fuels could increase demand by 60%. And so I, I hope it just improves our local markets based on today's market. I hope it really improves our, our local markets. Maybe not expand acres, but improves local markets. And so, uh, you know, to me, there's a bright future. I think, too, that, that to manage soybeans the way you do corn, I don't think we have to wait five years to do that, to collect that amount of understanding. I think our Zarvio Seed Select Tool and Zarvio Field Manager can bring that together 
within the same year. And so to get to that point, I think we can accelerate that using those tools. Well, Scott, thanks for a great afternoon. I appreciate the opportunity to be here. And uh, thank you for speaking to us. I'm with Scott Cave from BASF. Uh, this is Russ Parker with the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Thank you, Russ, taking the time to stop by and speak with the folks at BASF at Commodity Classic. It's time now to continue the three big Iowa Ag Matters. Number three. Enrollment is now open from USDA for the Dairy Margin Coverage Program. And American Farm Bureau Federation economist Danny Munch says they encourage participation as it helps dairy producers manage risks. Dairy margin coverage, often called DMC, provides a level of risk management protection to dairy farmers under low margin conditions. So that can be caused by low milk prices, high feed costs, or a combination of both. To participate in dairy margin coverage, dairy producers select a coverage level ranging from $4 to $9.50 per hundredweight on 50 cent in- increments. And then they select a coverage level for their production history ranging from 5% to 95% of their coverage history. Now he says that the opening of the DMC enrollment certainly helps, but they're still looking for larger changes as to how dairy farmers are paid. Number two. Urging action on an E-15 waiver for sales year-round in 2024 is Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, who led the Iowa delegation of lawmakers in a letter urging the EPA to allow for summertime E-15 sales in 2024. Of course, we know the uh, year-round sales will go into effect in 2025, but that still means something has to happen for this upcoming driving season. The petition includes Minnesota, Missouri, Nebraska, Ohio, South Dakota, and Wisconsin. As Grassley and the Iowa delegation contend the delay will, quote, have devastating effects on biofuel producers, farmers, and families across the country. Number one. Groundbreaking research being conducted by our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association to learn more about optimal seeding rates for soybeans, according to research agronomist Drew Clemenson. What we're trying to to dive into and understand is, that are we making the right assumptions? And and we often talk about in the opposite of corn, where on our better ground, we want to put less population in our poorer soils. We want more population. But what is more and what is less? And, and where are we starting from to move more or less? And so that's kind of what what we're trying to, to understand with this trial work. That conversation, part of the latest Pods of Potential podcast with our friends at the Iowa Soybean Association that you can find on our website, iowaagnet.com, or your favorite podcasting service. I'm Andy Peterson. Those are your three big Iowa Ag Matters. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. Well, it can be a bit confusing. If you own land, certainly you're happy it's maintained its value. If you're a producer trying to figure out how $5, sub $5 corn and sub $12 soybeans fit into the budget, it can be a completely different thing. But Mark, uh, near record land sale once again up in Sioux County. Yes, that's right, Andy. We get kind of used to this, seeing it in Sioux County, that fertile, dark, rich soil of Sioux County. Of course, it's going to go for some high money. But this one, you know, they get a little bit twisted, I think, as well, because I think we get some neighborly interest involved <laughs> with some of these land sales. Might be the case in Sioux County again this time. $29,000, six, $29,600 per acre in a public auction this week in Sioux County. Again, a near um, record there, but uh, certainly some great ground in northwest iowa 
Unbelievable. Mark and I dive into the market numbers coming up next. This is the Midday Market Update on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Joined today by John Heinberg of Total Farm Marketing for our midday market discussion. And John, what are we seeing taking place in the grains today? It's kind of a choppy day in the grain markets overall, especially corn and soybeans. We've seen negative to positive, now drifting back negative again. Not a lot of news. I think a lot of it's tied to the end of the month here in terms of uh, February coming to an end, going into March. Maybe some position squaring into that window. You know, the biggest thing on the day today was export sales this morning. Solid numbers for corn, right? At about just over that million metric ton mark. That's what we'd like to need to see soybeans continue to be extremely weak you know just uh, basically five million six million bushels of soybean sales last week you know that's just not what this market needs we're still struggling against the price of those south american beans going forward you know over the wheat side 12 million bushels of sales there so again that's a, sol- a solid number in terms of within expectations you know but we're watching that wheat market try to handle prices on the global scale russian wheat is extremely cheap they got another big crop coming and that's going to kind of drive the global wheat price here, you know, and that's one of those things that keeps that market lidded. So at least, like I said, choppy day so far today. We'll see where we close as we move into Friday tomorrow and the, the, the start of March. That was John Heinberg with Total Farm Marketing. Here's Andy Peterson with more livestock news. Beef trade is where we start first, Mark, as we look at daily estimated slaughter total numbers and find that they come in at 125,000 head, 5,000 more than a week ago, and the same as a year ago. Boxes are higher at midday, 84 loads of choice cut selling, up $1.29 to 30303. Select 292.94, that's 254 higher on 21 loads of movement, the spread shrinking to just $10.09. Now for the pork, daily estimated slaughter total numbers. 491,000 head, 1,000 more than a week ago, and 21,000 more than a year ago. The holiday still affecting those yearly comparisons. Cash markets now. Barrows and Guilds producers sold on a carcass basis. Negotiated purchase-wise will wrap up yesterday's numbers, as we usually do for comparison purposes. 2,700 head, so a pretty light run. Weighted average price $1.77 stronger to 74.47. Formula purchases Weighted average price closing at $78.95, 30 cents higher on 157,000 head of sales, so about an average day there. As far as what's happening at midday so far, we see that uh, negotiated purchases a pretty light run, only 1,500 head and no weighted average price available due to the low volumes and packer confidentiality issues. Formula purchases, 113,000 head of sales, so again, a little bit on the light side. We're a little stronger. Up 21 cents to 79.09. You might think Iowa just grows corn, but the truth is, corn grows Iowa. Hi, I'm Stu Swanson, a farmer from Galt, Iowa, and the first vice president of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. Whether you're planting, harvesting, or anywhere in between, as a member of the Iowa Corn Growers Association, you're also actively advocating for our industry. As an ICGA member, you have a voice lobbying on ag issues at the state and federal levels on priorities that impact your farm. Join us today at iowacorn.org slash join. At midday, March corn is up two and a quarter at 415 and a half. March soybeans down one even at 1133 even. March soybean meal up $2.90 at 334.20. 
March soybean oil up 13 cents at 44.79. On the Merck, April live cattle down 57 cents at 185.55. March feeder cattle down $1.35 at 248.25. April lean hogs up 57 cents at 86.57. That was a check of the midday markets on Iowa Ag Matters. I'm Mark Magnuson. Market conversation on the Iowa Ag Matters program. Andy Peterson and Mark Magnuson now talking livestock with Joe Camp from Comstock. Let's flip over to the other side of the ag marketplace and what is taking place with the livestock complex. Some weakness, uh, notably for the cattle here these past couple of days. It was an interesting start to the week, the way they moved sharply lower to start Monday's session in reflection of a bearish cattle on feed report from Friday. Uh, but they didn't finish that way, and they came off their lows, uh, uh, closed a little bit firmer for the live cattle futures, and ultimately that was something uh, we had we'd seen before. That you you think the report's one thing, ultimately the board goes in the other direction by the close, and it was a continued move higher um, after what has been a really steady march up since the December lows. We came not far from the all-time highs from last September, uh, but it, it's gotten to a point this week where we've seen uh, some liquidation-type pressure, and so it's the opposite of the grains where there's some short covering from the hedge funds. Well, those uh, similar you know, traders there have been bullish the livestock, and over the last five weeks we've tracked them. Uh, being net buyers in in those five weeks straight. And so there's a little money coming off of the table from the long side now on cattle. And it does seem fundamentally like, despite it still being a bullish setup with tight fed cattle supplies overall, uh, we've got, you know, some indication that the Packers are are trying to to slow things down here. And and, uh, after a recent pinch for Packer margins, you have, uh, a little bit of a pause for the cash trade. So that's weighing on cattle so far here uh, as we head towards the last couple days of the week. Joe, are hogs continuing to stand at least a little bit firm on what they've built up here recently? They are standing firm, and, and that's um, you know something seasonally we've come to expect that the cash market would firm into at least the early summer months, and it has uh, taken that direction you look at the board, and and that's similar to cattle, where speculators are also, you know, buying this market, thinking about what's ahead this summer in terms of tighter production. We've maybe already priced in the the more bearish dynamics of abundant supply in the present moment, and now it's a futures market, so we're thinking ahead about again how production could start to slip from here, maybe over the course of the year, uh, down to about five percent lower, and. You know, that's enough to, I think, get this market um, uh, bullish in in prospects of the, the fundamental dynamics of being friendly for price. And so we do have uh, continued strength so far here to, to speak of for these hogs. Locally led, locally relevant, locally driven. Mark your calendars this February to join the Iowa Soybean Association at a 2024 Innovation to Profit meeting in your area. With meetings in Storm Lake, Waterloo, Fairfield, and Lewis, this is an opportunity to engage with fellow farmers and learn about research opportunities to boost your profitability, productivity, and sustainability. A new year brings new opportunities. Take advantage of them today by registering at iasoybeans.com. This message is brought to you by the Iowa Soybean Association and funded by the Soybean Checkoff and the United Soybean Board. 
Had to give Dustin a hard time. Didn't bring the cowboy hat to Houston for Commodity Classic. A big-time letdown there, but I know he's working hard. Probably didn't have room in his suitcase because of all the radio equipment he had to bring. And he will be joined by Jolene Reeson of the Iowa Corn Growers Association. That's coming up next here on Iowa Ag Matters on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network. Well, I mentioned and have been in our featured conversations here the past couple of weeks about a lot of topics of conversation at uh, Commodity Classic have to do with the sustainability aspect of things. Dustin learns more not only about what those conversations entail, but also who is involved as he sits down for an expanded feature conversation. Now with Iowa Corn Growers Association President and Iowa Farmer, Jolene Reeson. We had the caucus meetings yesterday, Jolene. Tell us a little what came out of those meetings, what you guys are going to be bringing to the big meeting on Saturday. A lot of discussion. Um, we have basically 33 resolutions that are coming forward. Some of it's uh, wordsmithing, but some of it's dealing with, for example, base acres, um, EVs, um, yeah, you name it. It's pretty much a gamut of everything that we work with at, at Iowa Corn. So, so let me help some of our followers understand what goes on when you have these caucus meetings, how you come up with these resolutions to bring to the whole world. So, so we have a policy book that um, uh, some of the states will go through and just, just for clarification, um, go through and try and make the wordage more understandable. Um, and then there's also, you know, basically kind of the new things that are coming on. So EV, we've never talked about EV very much in the past, but, but now that that is a, a, a source of conversation. So it's just, um, you know, things that affect our corn industry is in policy book. And then if there maybe there's policy that we don't have that we probably maybe need to have. And, and just one that comes to mind for me, because that's what we're doing back in the, in the uh, state of Iowa is, to me, you know, um, lab-cultured um, protein should not be able to be labeled meat. And and I brought that forward to, to my uh, senator there, uh, Jason Schultz. I'm like, Jason, I said, I said that can hurt our industry here in the state of Iowa because we are number one pork. Um, we may not be one number one beef, but we sure try. Poultry, turkey, you know, eggs, all that. We need to protect our industry, and so that's why we bring those kind of things forward. You know, people wouldn't necessarily think that the corn growers would be worried about the livestock, which is obviously farmers produce both, a lot of farmers do. But the fact, the fact is, all these livestock commodities rely on corn to provide the feed. To, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, when the avian bird flu hit that very first year, it was devastating to our state, just for the amount of corn that now all of a sudden wasn't getting fed to the poultry industry. So... That was huge, and, and so we are very much in sync with, with our livestock producers in the state of Iowa, and, and myself included there. You know, I use a lot of corn. We, we feed cattle at our place, and so, you know, that quality, um, you know, we like when the, the corn can walk off the farm when it's at the price that it is, but but uh, hopefully we can get that price to come back around. And, and we do that by going to, for example, we work with the U.S. Grains Council, and, and they are worldwide. And so we had Grains Council meeting here about two weeks ago. And I'm on the ethanol um, action team, and they were just visiting with um, different markets that they're trying to get into or, or trying to develop. And, and just for example, one, India, 
Um, so they don't have propane stoves, you know, basically, and a lot of people just use wood or basically garbage to, to cook with. So we're advocating to, to push ethanol to them to, number one, help clean up their air because India air is not very good. Um, number two, ethanol is like super cheap, you know, for just a very few rubles. They can have their, their fuel to, to cook their, their food. And I got and I, I apologize for not having that number in my but it's like a two billion gallon industry of the amount of fuel that those people use. So if we can tap into that at all, that is a huge win for, for corn cars. In February we celebrate World Radio Day. Here at the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network, we feature Iowa-centric programming with content focused on Iowa crop farmers and livestock producers who draw their livelihood from modern production agriculture. Today, the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network offers nine programs per day, anywhere from two and a half to four minutes. In addition, the network airs a daily midday program featuring Iowa ag news and discussions called Iowa Ag Matters. And we also host a long-format weekend radio program called Weekend Ag Matters. The network's content footprint also includes a growing digital presence, including our daily e-newsletter called Ag Matters Daily, our website, which features our daily news stories at iowaagnet.com, along with a daily YouTube ag news program called Ag Matters PM. We are also active on Facebook, X, LinkedIn, and TikTok, and provide free daily market podcasts twice per day. We thank you for supporting the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network as we celebrate World Radio Day in February. We need to mention here, Mark, some big news within the industry, although it's not terribly surprised, but I guess now it's official. Pioneer is out with what they call their Z-Series soybeans. It is um, uh, exclusive Pioneer genetics that are supposed to offer significant yield advantage and disease resistance for farmers. So um, 50 varieties and plans to introduce more soon across the whole growing area but it's certainly generating some buzz to say the least. That is awesome. You know, 50 varieties and we've seen all the technology that goes into these genetics, all of the hard work, and we see the results in a year, just like last growing season when we were so dry dealing with drought, still dealing with drought and yet still able to have great yields. You're listening to Iowa Ag Matters. Thanks to Andy, Riley, also Dustin and Russ in Houston. We'll be back tomorrow for more on the Iowa Agribusiness Radio Network.